The NFL PropCast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive $500 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you a chance to win $100,000. That's right. $100,000 NFL Week 1 exclusively on SGPN app. Welcome everyone to the NFL Propcast episode number 3. It is currently 12:35 Central Time, 1:35 on the East Coast. Getting closer and closer to the NFL season, preseason week two, I know, kicks off tonight, and I'm joined by the prop god himself and the newest member of the Action Network squad, Dan Titus. Dan, did you lay out your clothes for the first day at the network, or what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, man, I had to, I felt like it was like a brand new first day of school, man, and uh <laughs> A lot of catch up, man, but I think it's really awesome being able to officially like work in the industry, so to speak. But yeah, yeah man, I'm, I'm hyped today to talk about the AFC East, NFC West props, really interesting divisions. And I think there's, there's been quite a bit of turnover that we could talk about. But yeah, man, prop cast is on and popping. Let's, let's get into it. Yes, sir. So just like Dan said, we're going to cover two more divisions tonight. It's going to be the AFC East. And the NFC West. A lot of intrigue, like Dan mentioned, on these two divisions. Uh, before we get into it, let's take a quick break and then we'll dive right into the uh, divisions. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet, download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, coming off of the break, let's kick it off with the AFC East division. Um, 
Currently, the Bills are favored to win the division. Minus 150 odds on the division for the AFC East for the Bills. And then you have the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots, both at plus 350. And then the long shot in the division, the Jets, 25 to 1. And then let's take a look at the division, sorry, the regular season win totals for all these teams. The Buffalo Bills are the only team in that division that have double-digit win total posted by the books at 11. Both the Dolphins and the Patriots are sitting at nine and a half, and the Jets are at six. Uh, let's start with the Dolphins here. Um, Dan, we read last season that Tua didn't have that full offseason program, right? With COVID going on, didn't have training camp, didn't get to learn the whole playbook. Uh, I know they had Fitz Magic there, didn't have a proper training camp, no preseason games. But the Dolphins still found a way to finish 10 and six last season. Coming into this offseason, we see that he said that he had time to learn the playbook during the offseason. Now you're going through a full training camp, getting some preseason snaps. Dan, where do you stand with Tua, man? Are you a believer in him? Do you think he's going to take that next step? Or do you still think that he's going to have to get some snaps in the regular season to, to see what I think we're hoping to see out of Tua? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think that the, the Miami Dolphins did a great thing in protecting him. I think that they're definitely have an improved offensive line here. They went out and got Malcolm Brown, who I think is going to be probably play more of a role than, than people expect. And I think we've seen thus far through training camp that Tua looks like he's more comfortable. And I think that obviously coming into this system as a rookie, sustaining a pretty serious hip injury that, I mean, probably most people didn't think that he was going to be able to come back and be effective. He looked all right. In, in the in, in what we saw last season. So the fact that he's had a full offseason to prepare and they loaded up on some offensive talent, adding Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, you're going to get Devontae Parker. He's still there. Mike Kosicki, Hunter Long, a couple other big guys. And I think he's they've really given him enough weapons to not have any excuses for if he can't do it. Um, we'll talk about the props later, but I think that the, the Dolphins should actually finish out as either the second, probably at best case second in this division. Um, yeah. I do think that they're right now that they're built better than the Patriots. The, the thing is, is like, you just can't trust Bill Belichick. Like last year, a lot of those New England Patriots, you know, opted out for COVID and yeah. Cam Newton sucked. So I think that that's going to be the, the most interesting dynamic of this, of this division is between Miami and the Patriots, which one is going to like really be fighting, vying for that that spot next to the Bills? And I think that the the Dolphins did enough to at least get better this season. Yeah, and I think that's really indicative of what the numbers that the books are posting for both of these teams. Right, it's, it's pretty much that even plus three fifty right. for the division for both the the Patriots and the Dolphins, and then also their win totals are both posted at nine and a half. So. Um, I did want to ask you, do you have concerns about this offensive line? Because right now I'm seeing that they are ranked number 28 coming into the season. So, you know, especially with a quarterback like Tua, who's coming off of the hip injury and a surgery, the offensive line doesn't seem to have much continuity or the depth really ranked low going into the season. Do you think that's going to be concerned from going, going into the season for the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, it's got to be some concern. I mean, I think that they've they've certainly improved th- comparatively to last year, um, just in their draft capital that they spent to to try to acquire a, a couple of big names there. But you know, it's got to be a concern, especially with the the division. Like the Buffalo Bills defense is very good, and you know, you got the Patriots who 
Uh, that's how Bill Belichick makes his bread and butter right on defense. So yeah. I think that there's definitely some concern there. And then you got the Jets who now have a new head coach in Salah that is obviously defensive minded. So you got to expect Tua's going to be feeling some heat, but he also finished. I mean, he he did have some running games last year, so he does have the ability to move in and out of the pocket. So I think he should be mobile enough to at least get by, but I think it's certainly some some realm of consideration and concern there behind their offensive line and, and improving their success this season. But I think Tua will be better. How much better? That That's a good question. Yeah, and I think one thing about this division also is in the AFC East, they have coming into the season, there's the three teams, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots are all ranked inside the top 10 as far as how good their secondary can be. The Bills are number two, the Dolphins are number four, the Patriots are number nine, and each of those teams have an elite um, secondary player. I'm glad that the Dolphins were able to work out that uh, contract dispute with Xavier and Howard because if he would have had to force his way out of the Dolphins, I think that would have been a significant downgrade for the secondary because he is one of the best in the league um, as far as, you know, a, a one-on-one coverage guy. So um glad to have them, you know, work out that dispute. You know, I, I think that the Dolphins are going to be able to make some noise, right? And I think that Brian Flores, their head coach, is going to be – is a player's coach. And we've been hearing a lot about Jalen Waddle, how good he's been um, during training camp. He's He looks like a selfless guy. And I think that the biggest thing that I've seen so far is that the beat reporters have been kind of saying that Tua and Jalen Waddle have been able to find that chemistry that they had when they were playing uh, together in Alabama. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, I think that that's why they pairing him with somebody like that, that he already has rapport with, I think is, is a great, that's a great way step up to give you your, your quarterback confidence in wanting to move this offense forward, because I think that there are still some question marks. So when I, when I mentioned that their offensive line slightly improved, they just acquired Greg little uh, yeah. a couple of days ago. So, I mean, right. they're expecting him to, to, to play the left tackle which I think was what the Panthers envisioned for him, but it just didn't work out for various reasons, injuries primarily. But, you know, I think that the, he has enough weapons on the outside to to really yeah. put pressure on the defense. And if they establish that run game, they already see that, you know, they have Malcolm Brown, they have uh, Miles Gaskin, who we don't know what he's going to play. Like, I think he was kind of forced into the role. He doesn't have the ideal prototypical size of a three-down back, but he can get it done, as, as you can see. And then you have Salvan Ahmed that also proved to be very useful, especially down the stretch. So I think if they can force, don't force Tua to do too much. He's not a gunslinger in the, in the, in the eyes of the NFL world, at least, you know, he was in college because, you know, Alabama was just a beastly squad, but I don't think his game's necessarily going to translate that way. And which is one of the reasons why I'm going to be fading his, his player prop in terms of his, his passing yards this season, because I think that this is actually going to be a better, more balanced offense, which should make the best out of Tua. Yeah, I love it, man. Uh, also, I think last thing for me for this division was like the the running back that you just mentioned, Ahmad. I think he's been having a great training camp of being hearing, and I think he had flashes last season. So they're pretty much going to be going by running back by committee for the Dolphins. But it, like you said, if they're able to establish a run game, that'll take a lot of pressure off of Tua having to force the ball down the field. Anything else for the Dolphins, uh, Dan? No, let's move on to the next squad. Yeah, let's move on to the Bills here. And they're coming off a 13-3 and year. Josh Allen, 
had the best year of his young career, right? I'll, I'll kick things off here. For me, I think the single biggest thing is that they're getting their offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble, back. You know, his name was really circulating and head coaching opportunities and, and interviews and things like that. But a lot of times we talk about player movement, but I think having their offensive coordinator back for the bills, I think it's huge. That gives you that continuity, that, that chemistry and consistency between Josh Allen and Brian Dabble. Um, but Dan, let me let, get your thoughts. Do you think that the bills are due for some regression or do you think they're going to pick up right where they left off last season? Yeah, I think that they have an ideal strength of schedule here. You know, they have one of the easiest easiest paths to a division here. Like, I don't think that the other three teams in this division can really compete off on offense or defense. And you have a potential MVP candidate in Josh Allen. So, and one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Stephon Diggs. Offensively, I think this team is going to be really good. And just because Cole Beasley is going through, you know, some personal decisions that may affect his ability to get on the field, they went out and grabbed Emmanuel Sanders on a, on a humble contract. And while he's 34, he's very serviceable. This guy had over 600 receiving yards last year and didn't start most of the season. So I think there's, there's still something left in the tank for him. Yeah. And then you still have an offense that really didn't get any consistency last year from the run game at all. And early Early remarks out of camper that, you know, while Zach Moss is nursing a a lower leg injury right now, it seems to be like a hamstring, they're seeing they're seeing what they draft what they wanted in and in, in what why they drafted him. Yeah. And he's seen seemingly got the edge right now over Devin Singletary, who we knew last year was very inconsistent. And ultimately it wound up having Josh Allen having to be their true goal line back. And I think we can see now that he's gotten paid and they have a little bit more confidence in that run game, I think we'll see a little bit more of a balanced attack, which should open up more opportunities for Josh Allen to really just sling it. I mean, the guy's got a cannon. He, his size, he bulldozes people. He's a game changer, and I think that we're going to see the Bills take that next step and really having a, a legitimate shot at, at becoming the AFC uh, representatives in possibly a Super Bowl bid. Uh, they're that good. Yeah, I think that going back to last season in the playoffs, I think when uh, they lost, I think it was in the AFC Championship game, uh, I think Stephon Diggs had kind of stood back when all the players had gone into the locker room and that he was watching the celebration of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that's a chip on their shoulder that they're kind of bringing into this season, that they were this close to getting to the Super Bowl. And you're pretty much returning it, your almost the same roster. Like you said, I think getting Emmanuel Sanders is really underrated because he still has a lot left in the tank. I think um, obviously with Cole, Cole Beasley, uh, a great, you know, security blanket to have, but you kind of look at their schedule, not too difficult, but not too easy at the same time. But if you take a look at their last uh, four weeks of the season, they have the pants, the three out of the last four at home in, you know, whether in Buffalo in December, you have the Panthers coming through, then you go to New England, but then you end the season against Atlanta, a dome team, and then the New York Jets. So I think this Bills team has a huge opportunity to compete for that number one seed in the AFC with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, I, I think for me, we talked about the secondary, it's going to be really good. But I think for me, if, if that if their, their front seven are able to generate some type of consistent pass rush and put that pressure on the offensive line, their opposing offensive line, I think that this defense can be also really good. And like you mentioned, I do have a ticket on Josh, Josh Allen to win the MVP this year at 11 to one. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to watching that shout out to Adam Pelletier, the biggest uh, Bills fan I know. So 
I'm looking forward to the Bills this season. Anything else for this uh, team, Dan, or should we move on? Yeah, I think if you can get any, you know, look at the Bills very early in the season to, to they have the third, they have the first easiest, they're ranked first in terms of strength of schedule in the first month yeah. of the season. And I think you can really get some really good value there, being that they play three of their first four games at home, right. um, as well as going to um, hosting Washington and Houston. And we know, sorry, we know Houston, what they're going to be. No doubt. But, you know, I, I think that this squad's <laughs> going to be really, really good in the first month of the season. So um, yeah. it's really going to be that middle, the middle of the seasons where they're going to hit, hit the uh, the toughest stretch of the season. But I think that they should be pretty, pretty consistently good throughout the season and, Fortunately, they have a really nice end of the season there to to kind of uh, bridge the, the 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 season together. So they're going to be a squad to watch out for for sure. Yeah, we didn't mention that this AFC East division they get to play the AFC South and the NFC South this year. So we know that the AFC South is probably the worst division in the entire league after the <laughs> NFC East, yeah. uh, and then you have the NFC NFC South where you know you have some teams that you can beat there, right? Falcons, you can beat uh, the Saints. I think going to be. I think they're going to be bad this year i mean we'll get it we talked about that last week i'm not going to get into that but then you know, i think the only competition there is the tampa bay buccaneers but um yeah i think that like you mentioned with their strength of schedule for this team um they should you know pile up the wins again this year and i kind of like their uh, season one total to go over the uh ele- posted up 11 there are some 10 and a halves might have to pay some extra juice on that but um you know i, I could see this team easily winning 12 games this season finishing 12 and 5 uh, anything else for this division, Dan? I'm oh, sorry, for this team? No, let's move on to the Pats. Yeah, let's get on to the Pats, man. I know we were talking about, you know, this team with, you know, the Miami Dolphins in this division being just head-to-head, toe-to-toe. Regular season win totals are the same. Division odds are the same. Um, but for the Patriots, last season they missed the playoffs and finished the season. It was 7-9. and nine. A huge roster turnover for the Patriots, right? They're getting key guys back on the defensive end. For me, which is huge. They get Dante Hightower back. They're getting Kyle Van Noy back, who was with this team, went over to Miami, now is back with the Patriots, and they're also ad- adding Matthew Judon from the Ravens. I think the biggest additions offseason, obviously, is the Patriots picking Mac Jones at number 18 as probably their quarterback of the future. But I think like the bigger, the biggest question for the Patriots, it's it's the obvious one, the quarterback position. Then who do you think should be starting for quarterback and week one? And who do you think it will be in week one? I got to think it's going to be cam just off the strength of just off the strength of being a veteran right now. And Mac Jones has looked pretty good in his debut in the preseason. I think we're going to see more of him in the second game as well. You know, he was 13 for 18, didn't really stretch the field too much, but I think he also wasn't taking risks. And I think that that's what Bill Belichick wants. He wants a guy that's not going to force the ball. He's not going to turn over the ball. But I think that the Patriots are going to be in a really interesting position as this season progresses with Cam Newton, because if they get down, Mm -hmm. Cam's not throwing the ball, right? Like he can't, he's just not a good short to intermediate quarterback. And right. while he's a beast at the goal line, you got to have to have someone that's going to be able to stretch the field a little bit. And I think Mac Jones has already shown that he's, his ability to make those precision passes on the sideline between the seams with touch and finesse. The problem with I, that I have with the Patriots is I just don't know who to rely on outside of maybe Jonu Smith and, you know, Jacoby Myers. He's been the guy 
on the receiving end that's gotten the most uh, respect and, and name notoriety thus far. Nikhil Harry, who the, who the hell knows what that first-round draft pick is really going to become. And then they bring in Nelson Aguilar as well. But, you know, I think that the Patriots, as I said before, the Patriots really draw, are, are driven by their defense. If their defense shows up, that's going to help them with ball control. They love to establish the run. I think that they have a really good stable of backs in Damian Harris. We saw what Stevenson did um, in his first game, you know, breaking off that huge run. And they still got Sony Michelle. I mean, the guy's a plotter, but at least he's a guy that can help move those chains. So I think if they could stick to their to their strengths, running the ball and playing defense, I think there's a good chance that we don't see Mac Jones for maybe the first four or five weeks. If these amount to wins, I mean, the, the Patriots have a really good good schedule. We've been talking about how this AFC East team, this AFC East division in general has a really nice schedule. I, there's a there's a chance that we don't see Mac Jones until, you know, well after Trey Lance or Justin Fields potentially. I think that week five game against the Texans might be the one to circle for Mac Jones if, like you mentioned, Cam Newton gets off because you're playing one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the entire National Football League against the Texans. And then you have an easy uh, defense against the Dallas Cowboys the following week, and then you have the Jets. So I think that's a pretty good a little area there in their weeks five, six, and seven for Mac Jones to come in and play on some terrible defenses. Something for us to keep in mind, but I cannot wait for week four Patriots, sorry, the Patriots and the Buccaneers getting together. Tom Brady coming back to Gillette stadium. That's going to be a lot of fun to see. I was trying to see tickets to get out there, but I think there were like nosebleeds were like, I think there were at least like a thousand to $1,500, but that's going to be, I think, one of the maybe the highest watched games in the history of the NFL. That's going to be fun to see. We didn't get to your guy, Jalen uh, Mills. Uh, he's going to be in the secondary now for the Patriots. Uh, what did you think about that move? I think it's he's probably going to flourish. Uh, there's something about defenders when they leave, you know, a different system. I don't think that the Eagles utilized Jalen Mills the best that they could have in in, in Jim Schwartz's scheme uh, previously. So. Yeah. I think he's actually going to – he found a really good home. And and we see what his ability is to play, you know, a hybrid. He's played cornerback. He's played safety. I think he's going to be utilized very well in that Patriots system. And, you know, again, I think that the Patriots really did a good job of bringing back some of their vets as well as just bolstering that defense that we know that they're – you know, that that's how they really yeah. have, 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 have made their, their money in the past. Yeah, and the last thing for me on the Patriots is that if you take a look at the rush defenses that they are playing this season, there's only one team that's inside the top 10 that they are facing that's their rush defense is ranked inside the top 10, which is the Buccaneers. Uh, other than that, if you take that uh, the Buccaneers, I think that average drops all the way down to 21. So, you know, look for this run, the rushing attack for the Patriots to really kind of set the tone for this offense because – if he doesn't trust Cam Newton, he probably wants to do that ball control where you're running the football and kind of melting the clock, right? And I think the Patriots might be a good team to take a, take a look at on their game totals to go under because yeah, they're not the explosive off. team until we see Mac Jones entering this offense. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Dan, anything else for the Patriots or should we move on to the last team for this division? No, we're good. Let's move on. 
Yeah, so with the Jets, obviously, uh, you get Zach Wilson as your starting quarterback. Like uh, Dan also mentioned, uh, the new head coach coming over from the San Francisco 49ers, their defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. Um, Dan, they lose Adam Gase. Do they automatically get two wins to start the season here? (laughs) Short answer is yes. (laughs) Whatever is not Adam Gase turns to gold, man. So. Uh, maybe not gold, but like it's definitely going to be greener pastures for sure. So they they did well by getting by getting Salah there. Yeah, I mean I'm excited to see this wide receiving group for the uh, Jets. I mean we've been hearing so many good things about Elijah Moore. Uh, still have Denzel Mims in this offense. Jay Crowder is serviceable, um, but you know it's it's Zach Wilson. I feel like that offensive line is probably not there yet for the uh, Jets and. You know, I'm not sure I'm sold on Zach Wilson yet. I think he needs to get as many reps as he can in preseason, but their win total is at six for a reason, right? And, I mean, I expect them to finish last in this division for sure, but I'm kind of excited to see this wide receiving group for the Jets and kind of seeing how Zach Wilson progresses throughout the season. Yeah, Zach Wilson, I mean, he was, after being one of the top quarterbacks off the board, I think that there's a there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on him, yeah. not only just being in New York, but for the talent that went beneath him um, in the draft that we've already seen, you know, with right. with uh, with Justin Fields especially. So the guy's got a good arm and he's gotten good grades thus far. He looked good in the preseason game, but I think you're right um, in terms of their wide receiver core. I think Denzel Mims might be a thing of the past. I think he's okay. he hasn't shown enough, at least in camp, that I've read through the beat reporters, uh, enough to to make a statement and and be an effective part of this offense. The the one name that has been humming has been Elijah Moore. Now he he did get hurt recently, so I think he there's going to be a question whether he's going to play in the next preseason game. But one of the people that people forget about that they got Corey Davis, and Corey Davis yeah. had a great year last year for the Titans, pretty much a breakout for him. Um, with with Ryan Tannehill, uh, then the, another Adam Gase r- refugee that that wound up thriving, <laughs> and so I, I think that there's actually some promise here. Him with Jamison Crowder is actually a pretty good. I mean, that, that's a decent that's a decent wide receiver core at least to get yeah. going with Elijah Moore in the slot. Now, is he going to be a 3,800 yard? quarterback and year one I don't know because I think Salah I think we saw with him coming from a, a Kyle Shanahan system that mm-hmm. really is predicated on a running backs by committee and controlling the clock and playing defense I think that this is more of a let's set up our rookie QB not to fail and how do you do that you run the ball down people's throat and control the clock so I, I think we'll, we will see elements sprinkled in here of when Zach Wilson has these moments of making these great throws and stuff like mm-hmm. that but I think it's going to be a lot easier to just tell this guy to hand the ball off, try not to do too much. Let's play a conservative offense that eventually with a play action, you can take your shots down the field. Yeah. And I think the one thing that really scares me about this Jets team is that their running back position is ranked dead last coming into the season. So I don't think that's going to help Zach Wilson a lot. Um, you know, I, I don't think Tevin Coleman is the answer there for them. Um, so I don't know, maybe free agency next season or through the draft next season, they're able to get a couple guys because that's kind of scary when you have the 32nd ranked running back group and then you have a rookie quarterback 
drafted number two overall with a new coaching regime. I think that might be turned into a long, very long season. Uh, one last thing that I do want to mention for this Jets team was that they did bring over a new offensive coordinator from the, um, uh, sorry, the um, San Francisco 49ers, which was uh, Mike LaFleur, their passing game coordinator that Robert Salah also brought over for this team. So um I think it's going to take some time for this team to develop. Obviously, we talked about their wide receivers, Zach Wilson's potential, but at least for this season, I'm not very high on this team, and I already did lock in a ticket of under six and a half wins for the New York Jets. Anything else you have for this team? No, man, let's get into the NFC. Yeah, let's take a quick break here, and we'll get into the NFC West teams. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Football season is about to kick off and PropSwap is here to make this your best season ever. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money, it just needs to improve. For example, last year the Buffalo Bills were 35-1 to to win the Super Bowl. After they reached the AFC Championship game, a PropSwap customer who bet $100 on the bills before the season sold that ticket for $900. That was an 800% return for the seller on a ticket that ended up losing. Think of PropSwap like the stock market, but for sports betting, buy low, sell high. The average seller on PropSwap makes over $500 per month just listing and selling tickets. And when you make your bets, remember to go for two. Make two tickets on the same team so you can sell one for a profit and keep one to leave yourself some skin in the game. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. PicksWise is the number one home of free sports betting picks, props, and parlays held by a team of trend-watching data-devouring sports fanatics giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction. For every game, every day, and every sport all for free, visit PicksWise.com to make your next bet better. PicksWise backs responsible gambling. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, coming off the break, the NFC West, in my eyes, this is one of the toughest, if not the toughest division in the entire NFL. You have great head coaches, some of the great offensive minds in the game, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, uh, MVB caliber players getting into the regular season, win totals for the division, and the books are expecting this division to have all three teams hovering or for sure finishing above 500. And there are three teams in this NFC West division that have double-digit win totals posted by the book. So the Rams and the 49ers are both at 10.5. The Seattle Seahawks, you can find a 9.5 out there, but it's probably going to be juiced out to minus 160, minus 170. I am seeing a 10 on one of these books, and the Arizona Cardinals' regular season win totals is at 8.5. Getting into these division odds, the 49ers are slightly favored over the Rams, to win this division at plus 180. The Rams are at plus 190. Seahawks plus 275. And the Cardinals at plus 650. Um, Dan, let's kick it off with the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, the big quarterback change from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford to this team. Last season, like we talked about, they finished 10-6, and six, beat the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs. 
How much of an upgrade do you think is Jared Goff from Matthew or to Matthew Stafford in this system for the Los Angeles Rams with Sean McVay as the head coach? I think it completely changes the landscape of the offensive capabilities of what Sean McVay wants to implement to really be a genius and a mastermind that we saw a couple years ago. And, you know, Jared Goff's, he just pretty much fell off a cliff. Like he all of a sudden became this guy that couldn't make downfield throws. And really he, he was just bad at decision-making, you know, getting rid of the ball. He had a lot of fumbles, just really couldn't take care of the ball. And when you have a quarterback like that, that's so volatile, you can't do what you want to do. And we know that the Rams lost Cam Akers, unfortunately, to an Achilles tear. And then you, but I think even without Cam Akers, I think that when you acquire someone like Matthew Stafford, who really hasn't had very many winning seasons, right? Like this guy's been, he's honestly been in one of the worst situations you possibly could be being a part of the Detroit Lions franchise. And I think that this is like, the dream moment for him come to LA with a young coach who loves to do a lot of scheming and playing around his strengths in terms of their positional talent. This is going to be a win-win for the, for the, for the LA Rams. It's been really their defense. That's been holding them down for the last couple of seasons, along with the consistent run game. And we see with that run game kind of faltering. I mean, Daryl Henderson jr. Will probably be fine, Mm -hmm. but you got Stafford back there with two elite receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Tyler Higby, he's straight, like he's enough to get by. But I think we're really going to see this Rams offense start to put points on the board again. And that's what they were missing before. I think that this is really going to complete them to be what their, you know, what their ceiling could probably reach. Yeah, and I think let's not forget, they also did add uh, Deshaun Jackson now, not sure how many games he's going to play. The dude is yeah. uh, hurt a lot of times uh, and off the field more than on the field. But I think that if he's able to stay healthy, I think that's a huge down the field uh, speed guy that you can utilize in your passing game. And I'm sure Sean McVay will find ways to utilize Sean Jackson. The thing that yeah, kind of does scare me is that the loss of Cam Akers is kind of big because he really came on in the second half of that season down the stretch for the Rams. And now, you know, you have Daryl Henderson Jr., who also was pretty good for them last season. Um, And like you mentioned, right, the defense. I mean, Aaron Donald, this guy is just a monster, man. I mean, you cannot say enough about him. When you have the best interior linemen with Aaron Donald, and then you also have Jalen Ramsey in your secondary, that's, I mean, that's going to be incredible. Like you said, this defense has been holding it down. Now it's time for this offense. You got a new quarterback, Matthew Stafford. It's time for this offense to start putting up some points like they're pretty much used to. So um, I'm excited to see how it happens. My last question to you is on this team. Going Matthew Stafford, going from the Detroit Lions where they maybe ran some vanilla offenses and not really complex offenses to going to Sean McVay, who offensive genius. Do you think that transition for Matthew Stafford will take longer than expected to learn the offense with the Rams, or is it going to be, you know, it'll happen for him because he's a a high IQ football player. Yeah. I think I would probably package him into the category as high IQ football player. And I think that the acres injury at least happened at the right time where they weren't, you know, cause we know McVay loves to scheme primarily to run the ball. And now that, Acres' talent is already out of the way. Like you're already prepared. 
I think that this actually helped Matt Stafford probably have to get up that learning curve quicker because he's going to be more, there's going to be more asked of him um, now with so such a, such a gap in their running game of what they were predicted to do early in the season. So I'm actually really excited to see what Stafford does in this offense. And I think with, with a reliable quarterback that can actually make the tough passes, the decision-making and really actually just find rapport with his receivers, man. I think that this is really going to be a different Rams outlook. And, you know, as you said, when you got Aaron Donald on the other side, taking care of business in the front line, and then you have the secondary held down by someone like Jalen Ramsey, this is like the complete package of a team, especially in a really tough division where they're going to need both sides of that. They're going to need a strong offense and a defense to be able to come out on top of this division. Yeah. You kind of take a look at their schedule, kind of wrapping up this team. I mean, they, they, they have the bears in week one at home and then they go to Indianapolis and then they have the Buccaneers and the Cardinals and then the Giants. So and not the easiest schedule, but definitely not the hardest. I think they can, you know, come out firing in those first two weeks. I think we'll really find out how great this team is when they play week three against the Buccaneers at home. And they also have a division, back-to-back division games against the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Um, anything else with this team, Dan, or do you want to move on? No, we can move on. Yeah, I think getting to one of the more interesting teams or the team that has probably the most hype around it is probably the San Francisco 49ers. Consensus, they have the easiest schedule coming into the season. Last year, this team was just decimated by injuries on both sides of the football, right? Another team like the Patriots that may have some quarterback controversy with the third overall pick of Trey Lance and Jimmy G. For me, I I think the pressure is on Kyle Shanahan this season. Like, this is his fifth year with the 49ers. Three out of the last four years, he's won six games or less. The one season that they were successful, they got to the Super Bowl, squandered a 20-10 to lead against the Kansas City Chiefs. But the injuries really mounted for the 49ers last season. Now, hopefully they do get some luck with that this coming season. But, Dan, I guess first let me ask you two questions to start with this team is, number one, how much pressure do you think is on Kyle Shanahan to perform this season, if there is any? And number two, do you go with Jimmy Garoppolo this entire season and let Trey Lance develop? Or if there's a red flag with Jimmy Garoppolo, do you put in Trey Lance? Uh, So the first part of that question, I think I don't I think that Kyle Shanahan has a bit of a leash still there. You know, I think that they trusted in him to make a very tough decision in going up and grabbing the quarterback that they feel is going to be the face of this franchise and that being Trey Lance. And, you know, they re-signed some really key players. I think locking up Trent Williams was very, very smart. You know, you got to protect that blind side, especially for someone that we know Garoppolo cannot stay healthy. And then they also got huge, huge who has been a really good H back for this system. He pretty much does everything from, you know, route running, you know, blocking in the four in the run formations. He's just a very versatile guy. So, you know, that, on top of adding someone like Wayne Gallman, and then you also get Trey Sermon in the draft. I think that they've built Kyle Shanahan pretty much has everything he needs, assuming he's getting a healthy George Kittle and Debo Samuel along with Brandon Ayuk. And I think that that's really what's been the problem for the Niners is that they just can't, they can't find a way to stay healthy. And if all things are considered equal and injuries don't exist, I think that they have the best team roster on paper um, in terms of their in terms of their broad just offense defense. Yep. But 
you know, I think that they're probably going to have to turn to Trey Lance sooner rather than later. I don't think sure. that there's – I think the, the person that is on the hot seat, it's, it's no doubt it's Jimmy Garoppolo. And if he starts to struggle early on, I think we could see Trey Lance as early as week four. And wow. what we saw out of Garoppolo in the past is that he's really just a game manager. And he was all, he was all right for most of the season, but I think we're, we're still looking for that extra – that extra, I don't know, Maybe it's urgency, motivation, something out of him. And, I, you know, he's coming off a, a torn ACL. So he was playing with a significant brace last year. And yeah. per- perhaps maybe he doesn't have to use the brace as much this year and be as dependent. But I think that there's a confidence thing with him, much like we see with Carson Wentz or anyone else that can't stay healthy, is getting that swagger back. And if he doesn't have it, it's a fact that Trey Lance does. And even though Trey Lance, you know, he had that one really big completion that set the, the Twitterverse off, he did yeah. struggle in the passing game. He was five for 14 in that preseason game. So I think the game needs to slow down a little bit for him. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that four week buffer, if that the 49ers falter, I think by that time we're going to see, we're going to see him enter the fold and it's going to continue. It's going to completely change the dynamic of this offense and what they're capable of, because this guy is a dual threat quarterback to the fullest. And that's only going to make Kittle and all those skill position players even better if he's available. Yeah, I think for the 49ers, especially during this preseason, I think they need to let Trey Lance get as many reps as as he can, right? And I understand that they're trying to protect or teams try to protect some of their star players or their future players from getting injured. But, I mean, the game speed between a preseason game and when you're, what you're doing in practice is completely different compared to what's going to happen in the regular season. And I think that's something that the Kyle Shanahan is going to have to let him, you know, go out a little bit, get as many reps as he can in the preseason. But – you know, we talked about the schedule for the 49ers. I mean, there's a stretch where they have from week 14, 15, 16 to kind of finish off that season. They have the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, the Texans, and they finish off with the Rams. And we've talked about how they have the easiest schedule. Um, I can easily see this team, again, if they again, we talked about if they can stay healthy, they can win this division. And I personally think that they can make some noise in the playoffs comes in the NFC. Obviously, you have to deal with the Bucks and within teams within your own division. But I think the upside is really there for the uh, uh, for the 49ers. And let's not forget, they also picked up Trey Sermon from uh, in this draft. So I think that really gives them that running back depth on this team, um, you know, going forward into the season. Because we like you talked about with Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan is another guy that likes to, you know, start his offense with the running game and go off of that. So big season for Jimmy Garoppolo, like you said. I would love to see Trey Lance, but uh, we shall see if that comes to fruition. Do you have anything else for this team, or do you want to move on to the Seahawks? No, let's move on to the Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks are another team that just kind of finds ways to win games, right? Since Russell Wilson took over as the quarterback for the Seahawks in 2012, he's posted double-digit wins in every single season except for one year in 2017. Seahawks finished that season with nine wins. It almost seems like every single year that the book posts a nine and a half number for whatever reason for the Seattle Seahawks. And every single year they go out and prove people wrong uh, by getting double digit wins. Dan, the Seahawks have a new offensive coordinator. Is it finally time to let Russell Wilson cook? I think it is, man. That this is the, this is the time for Russ to, they're going to give him the keys to the offense now. You know, they yeah. didn't make any significant upgrades to their running back, the the backfield. You know, it's still Chris Carson's with a sprinkle of DJ Dallas and and um, 
you know, potentially some other guys like Travis Homer. But, you know, ultimately, I think it's this is going to be Russ slinging it to Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. And they just picked up Gerald Everett from the from the L.A. Rams. So, yeah, I think that this team is going to be. There's just a lot of potential with this offense. We saw DK Metcalf go for. Uh, double-digit touchdowns last year, as well as Tyler Lockett having a putting together a complete season. You know they kind of faded towards the end of the year, as did Russell Wilson. But I think getting an offensive-minded, you know, their, their offensive coordinator that's coming in there is pass pass heavy, and yep. so when you have that, I think that this is you're finally giving Seahawks fans and Russell Wilson truthers exactly what you want. I mean, he's pretty much like Drew Brees just he has the rushing ability and if you can give this guy some more opportunities to scheme around your skill positions that honestly dk metcalf looks like terrell owens so move him all around the field you find those opportunities to get tyler lockett those sideline throws those precision passes and then finding those gaps i mean the 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 upside with the sea the seahawks on offense is endless so really excited for their offensive and what russell wilson potentially could bring an mvp like campaign i mean dude threw for 40 touchdowns last year and only eight interceptions imagine what he does with with more focus and emphasis on the passing game yeah and this is another mvp ticket that i picked up for this coming season i got russell wilson 16 to 1 to win the nfl mvp and for all the points that you just mentioned last season i mean or, or at least in the past you know, they've kind of not let Russell Wilson do what Russell Wilson can do. And now you bring over an offensive coordinator that, like you mentioned, is a guy that likes to sling the ball around. And, you know, he's coming from the LA Rams as their passing pass game coordinator. Uh, early on reports were that they were really scheming this offense up to the strengths of Russell Wilson. And that's his arm and his, his legs being able to do what he does season in and season out. And, you know, this is year I, I you know, Russell Wilson has said that's all about winning for him. You know, he, he wants to win. He wants to get that championship. But I, I you got to think that he wants to get a MVP under his resume, right? And all I think it already is a Hall of Fame career for Russell Wilson. But just to get that NFL MVP is going to uh, be big for Russell Wilson. Going to the other side of this football, the defensive side is what I think has really been the downfall for this team. We just saw they just locked up Jamal Adams to a long-term deal, getting his bag. Uh, you traded for Carlos Dunlap last season, who I think is significantly going to improve this pass rush. But outside of that, you still have Bobby Wagner, who's a year older. I'm still kind of worried about this defense. And you have uh, Quandre Diggs also as your free safety. Do you think this defense is going to take a step forward or – I mean, I kind of. It almost seems like the only way is this team to kind of step the defense to take a step forward. But are you still kind of worried about how bad this defense is going to be, or do you think there will be improvement for this team? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. You know, I think that they, you know, locking up Jamal Adams was the logical decision here, uh, yep. easily. And but like the problem that I have with this team is that they're edge rushing was just inconsistent, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like they got to get to, I mean, they did finish the end, they finished with 46 sacks last year, but, you know, prior to that, they were averaging only like 39. So I think that they really got to harp on getting to the quarterback and putting pressure because every time they didn't, they were just getting torched. And we saw a lot of bad teams just 
cook them in their secondary, even having Jamal Adams there. So, right. you know, I think if this team's going to be for real and get past that nine and a half win, to- win total, it's going to be, it's not going to be off the back and strength of Russell Wilson. It's really going to be the defense. And if they show up, if they show up, yeah. this is going to be a serious contending team that, you know, we're, we're going to really be talking about why didn't we bet? Why, why didn't we bet <laughs> um, yeah. heavier on, on this over for them being at nine and a half? Yeah, and I know they had Alan, uh, sorry, Alden Smith, but they had to let him go because of you know some personal issues with the law and things like that. But um, because he's you know, Alden Smith, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, this potential is always always there for the Seattle Seahawks when you have Russell Wilson in your uh, as your quarterback. So um, you know, I'm really looking forward to them letting you know Russell Wilson be the Russell Wilson that we all want to see, right? And letting this guy sling the ball around. Uh, anything else for this team, or do you want to move on to the last team in this division? Yeah, I just say like I think. Um, yeah, no, I think we can. Let's move on to the next team. Actually, okay, yeah, the last team in this division is going to be the Arizona Cardinals. They finished last season with an eight and eight record. Uh, another team with a lot of roster changes, right? They added JJ Watt. Uh, they got Malcolm Butler, and eh. they added a veteran, you know, wide receiver with AJ Green, and. Eh. It seems like we're kind of waiting for the Cardinals to take that next step, right? Dan, let's start with this. Do you think it's a make or break year for Cliff Kinsbury? Because it, it still boggles my mind that he was fired, fired from a college team, the Texas, uh, the, the Texas Tech, and he got hired by the Arizona Cardinals, which at the time did not make sense to me and still kind of doesn't. But I kind of want to start with that, with if, if you think Kingsbury's on the hot seat this year. I think you I think he's probably more on the hot seat than Kyle Shanahan is. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, this dude level he gets fired and then levels up. Like, where does that how does that happen? And so I, from a betting perspective, I think he's actually a really good coach for player props because mm-hmm. he's very offensive minded. And you're right. right, they did add AJ Green, meh. Yeah. And James Conner is a meh. So yeah. I'm really focusing on the on the skill positions here that you we know what I think Kyler Murray could have one of the best quarterback seasons that we've witnessed. You know, he was well on pace for four thousand passing yards and he could easily get a thousand rushing yards. So, you know, what I'm saying we're we're entering rare territory here of a quarterback throwing for four thousand, getting a thousand on the ground, which I don't believe has been done before. And so um and, and then you still got D hop. Now, D-Hop had a little drama about, you know, vaccinations and all that. But I think ultimately, when, it, when it's all said and done, D-Hop's going to be out there. He needs, he, sure. needs the, he needs to play to get money. So, yeah. And Chase Edmonds, we saw him kind of spell Kenyon Drake last year. I think that that's going to be a – it's going to be interesting to see how James Conner kind of fits in here because he's taken over that Kenyon Drake role that we saw was a little bit inconsistent. I think Kenyon Drake coming out of Alabama was supposed to be this home run hitter has several times where this guy hits crazy speeds that no one else can hit in terms of the open field, but he kind of became a plotter and he still did have 10 touchdowns because the offense constantly is put in positions to score touchdowns. So if, if, if the Cardinals are going to have any success, they're going to have to somewhat play a lick at defense. And I don't know that they really address that too much other than getting JJ Watt. That was huge. Like that was, but we also know that JJ Watt isn't the JJ Watt of five years ago when he was, you know, healthy and reliable. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's the biggest, I think that that was more of a signing in marketing than probably mm-hmm. actual benefit 
And I'm really curious to see, you know, it's really going to be the defense that's going to have to save Cliff. And this this team is ranked dead last in terms of potential win potential in this division. And it's for good reason. Their defense is awful. And I don't know that this guy, he kind of gives me Chip Kelly vibes, even though Chip Kelly actually went to a playoff at one point. Mm. But like this offense is just very gimmicky, predicated in a run pass offense that four wide outs, not traditional. They don't run the ball enough. I don't think that that's a recipe for success. And this team's going to be bottom of the barrel of this division. I don't think that they're going to have a real shot at winning, winning beyond their win total right now. Yeah, I mean, like we mentioned, they, I think for me, they're obviously in one of the toughest divisions in the NFL, in the NFC West. And again, uh, offensively, the potential is there when you have Kyler Murray and then one of the best uh, wide receivers in the game with D-Hop. But the, defensively, they're coming in ranked 24. Their front seven's ranked 24th coming into the season, the secondary at number 20. So, um, like you mentioned, with J.J. Watt being familiar with him, the injuries have really mounted for him, you know, over the past couple of years, whether it's been a back injury or, or knee injury, whatever the case has been with JJ Watt. Um, I'm sorry, their front seven comes ranked 11th and then their secondary is still 21. But yeah, I think JJ Watt, if he's able to stay healthy, he could still be a force in that run game for sure. Because, you know, he obviously is a guy that's won three defensive player of the year awards him. And I think Aaron Donald, at least in the, in, since I've been watching football, have been the only two guys to do it. And I think Lawrence Taylor was another guy. But, you know, for this team, um, I think it's going to start on defense, right? Kyler Murray, like you mentioned, he's going to be able to do his thing. Um, you know, Kinsbury's a great offensive mind, but it's about them kind of putting it together. But I'm not sure they're going to be able to do it because in this division, you have the Rams defense, the 49ers defense, who's going to be great. Uh, both of those teams, the Rams and the 49ers, their front seven is ranked number three and number five, respectively. Rams – with Jalen Ramsey, like we talked about, ranked number five in their secondary, 49ers above average. But, you know, for me, I just don't think Kingsbury's the answer at head coach for this team because there's a lot of potential on this team, and I don't think it's going to be utilized properly because, like you mentioned, that they're trying to be too gimmicky and not run, you know, a a proper, I guess, an NFL offense, you can say. Right. Um, anything else you have for this team, man? Um I agree with you. I think they're going to be borrowed bottom of the barrel in this division for sure. No. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's take one final break and we're going to get into our player props for these divisions. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount plus stream over 2000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart pounding drama from CBS sports, including UEFA champions league, Europa league, Italy's Serie A, Argentina's Premier División, Brasileiro, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican's men's national teams, plus much more. It's the best of the beautiful game, with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rampino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Make sure to head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. That's right, sign up now for a free shot at $1 million. So download the app and sign up at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. 
the app gives you easy access to all of our picks and podcasts. Don't forget to toss up an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, coming off of the break, let's get started with the AFC East Division player props. Or let, let me go back. Sorry, we just finished with the division. Dan, did you have any best bets for these divisions? Maybe if the regular season win total or division odds. Yeah, I'm going to take the over on the Seattle Seahawks over 10 and a half wins. And okay. I think that this should be pretty comfortable. They finished uh, they finished with 12 wins last year. And I think we could definitely see an 11 and six finish for them this season. For much of the things that we talked about, you know, I think that the defense will be good enough, but I think that this really hinges on Russ's ability to win. And we saw his success being the, the, the pass first offense. I think that we're going to see more of a running back by committee approach, but I think ultimately you have really good weapons on offense and a defense that is straight enough that if they make the right decisions, they still got Bobby Wagner there anchoring your, your defense. I think this team could be very dangerous and probably should be considered, if not the Rams, that they'll, they'll be the odds on favorite right next to the Rams for this division. Yeah. I love it, man. I mean, anytime you see a, with Russell Wilson, I mean, if you, God, this guy just knows how to win games, right? Double, like I talked about all throughout his career, double, double digit wins, only just one season where it hasn't been. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with the 49ers, man. I, I'm really high coming onto this team. I think they're going to be healthy. The injury bug really went throughout this team last season, right? And we talked about that luck factor with injuries. I think they'll be able to stay healthy. Um, the quarterback situation is is the biggest concern, right? If Jimmy G is right. going to be able to perform, if not, you have Trey Lance as your backup. But there's just so much great skill positions at the wide receivers and the defense and 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 the running back position. So I think it's just about for them taking that now getting back to that form that they were when they won that um, when they sorry got to the Super Bowl year against the Kansas city chiefs. I think this is a, the, now the time for them to kind of get back to that, that, that level of play. So having the easiest schedule by far in the NFL, I think that's going to really help them um, and getting your guys healthy. So I'm taking the over 10 and a half on the San Francisco 49ers regular season one totals. All right. So why we're here, why they call Dan the prop God. Uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, this is our third episode. Quickly, the format is we pick one quarterback from each division and two or three skill position uh, season log player prop bets. Dan, it's our time to shine, man. I'll, I'll kick it off with you. Who is your quarterback prop for the AFC East division? Tua Tagovailoa. And why I'm going the under on his passing props. Ooh. 4,000 yards Vegas thinks that this man is going to throw for. (laughs) 4,000 yards. I just can't get behind that, man. In the nine games that he started last year, he averaged Mm 181.4. Like, this is like taking a Jalen Hurts-like leap to throw for 4,000 yards. I His completion percentage was admirable at 64%. But he's not a he's I don't know why. I mean, there's just so many people that I would rank higher to have potential at having 4000 yards than Tua. And, you know, we already talked about it earlier today about how they did provide him with several weapons on the on the exterior. You know, you got Will Fuller, you got Waddle, you got Devontae Parker still there. But I just don't think that this offense is going to be that pass happy. And if we look at if we look at history, you know, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick had a really good season, but they're not the same style of quarterback here. And I don't think that the, as you said, with your doubts with this offensive line, I don't think that we're going to see yeah. Tua be able to just sling it across the field like this. Like this is pretty much changing. This is just changing a completely different style of quarterback when I think he's probably going to be best suited for a more traditional offense with a balanced run game and then telling him not to toss the ball over the field. 4,000 sounds like a lot to me. I can't get behind that number. I would love to see this more in the 37, 38 range, kind of like Zach Wilson, Mm -hmm. because I think that that's attainable. But I don't know. The injury concerns, the middle of the pack, maybe leaning towards bottom of the pack offensive line. And honestly, I'm not relying on Will Fuller to play a full season. The guy can't. He's either doing PEDs or he's hurt. So (laughs) I I don't know. I can't. I don't believe in Tua enough to get 4,000 passing yards in his second season in the NFL. I think that that's a tall order. Yeah, I think for me, uh, for, for Tua, is I just want to see him get through a full season, right? I mean, this is only yeah. a second season in, and you're coming off, I, I guess you can say it's a major injury because, you know, it's a hip injury. But then, like you mentioned, with the offensive line, that's not going to be – it's ranked, you know, bottom fourth in the league. I don't see him getting 4,000. I, I tend to agree with you there, but – for me, yeah, I like the bet, but again, I want to see him get through an entire season and what this offense finally looks like. Like you mentioned, the weapons are there for him, but, but yeah, four thousand it's it's asking a lot because especially when you have a pretty good running back depth room, I, I think they're gonna you know want to run the ball more and then kind of go off that and and not put two in those situations. So it'll be interesting to see how it happens, but I do agree with that under four thousand. Uh, for me. Um, I'm going with Zach Wilson under 3,850 and a half passing yards. Uh, you know, like we talked about with the Jets, a brand new coaching regime. They hired Mike, Michael Ferrez, an offensive coordinator for the Jets, who was previously with the 49ers passing game coordinator. But if we look at rookie quarterbacks, <clears throat> sorry, who have exceeded this number in their rookie season, there have only been four. Andrew Luck in 2012, Justin Herbert last season, Cam Newton in 2012, and then Jameis Winston in 2015. Jets face eight opponents who are whose past defenses rank inside the top 10. But if we go inside this division, like we mentioned, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Dolphins all have past defense that are ranked inside of the top 10 going into next season. So we, we, we've seen the offensive line concerns with this uh, Jets team. A brand new coaching regime, rookie head coach. It just doesn't make sense to me for this guy to get close to 3,900 passing yards, almost the same number where you're looking at it with Tua. So I took the under on Zach Wilson passing yards here. I agree with you, man. And for a rookie quarterback to to join that esteemed echelon of players in their rookie season to throw for that many yards – He's going to have to be really damn good. And yeah. we're talking about the Jets here in year one. So even though Adam Gase is long gone for a, a run first, a run first offense, that's going to be a lot. So I'm with you there. Yeah, man, that, that number really st- kind of stuck out to me. But uh, we'll see as the season progresses. I'm just not even a believer in this offensive line. Uh, let's take me to your first skill position, man, running back. Who you got for this division? So this one was really hard for me, and I'm, I'm glad that I got it where I did because this is typically much of the the, the props that we've been doing. I already had already put some, I'd already put the 
the numbers in there and and hopefully that that the numbers didn't go down at all but Michael Carter is an interesting test case for me because you're I know you don't like any of the running backs in 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 New York and I don't particularly like them either and that's kind of why I think that this there's an opportunity here for Michael Carter to establish himself as the the main running back um, of the Jets backfield and primarily because of the draft capital, you know, that they, the Jets obviously prioritized him in the draft coming out of UNC, but he didn't really have a lot of mileage on his, on his, on his tires. And he's primarily known as a pass catching back, but I've already read out of Jets camp that he's the one a, uh, he's the one B to Tevin Mm -hmm. Coleman. And we know Tevin Coleman can't stay healthy worth shit. So I'm really relying on, I think Michael Carr is going to get this backfield backfield a lot sooner than we think. And right now at 575 rushing yards, I think that this is attainable in his rookie season. Um, a similar workload to this, we saw Cam Akers come on at the end of the season last year, and only four or five games he was able to eclipse this. And yeah. you know, with a similar workload, and we talk about you know, will, will Salah run this run running back by committee and wanting to establish the run and stuff like that? I think that's really going to bode well for Carter's potential. To, to rack up some some yards over the course of the season here. And more notably, uh, with Carter, it's not about the opportunity. It's more of like the talent. And he's the most talented back on that team. So yep. I think it's going to be only a matter of time before he gets in there. And with the lack of competition of real running backs, Michael P. Ryan, Ty Johnson, none of these guys are going to do it. It's going to be Michael Carter. And this actually started out when I looked a month ago. This was sitting at 650. Mm-hmm. which definitely probably would have played the under on that one. But now that it's sitting at 575, I think the books are starting to give him a little bit more of a, a reasonable, attainable measurement yeah. here, one that I can get behind. So I'm going to go with the over of 575. Yeah, that's a great middle number if you were able to get the under, you know, maybe 650 and maybe take the over at 575. But yeah, like we talked about with the Jets, I'm not a believer in this running back uh, group, but if there is going to be a guy that's going to stick out, it's going to have to be one of these guys, and I don't think it's going to be Tevin Coleman because of the reasons that we mentioned. Guy does not just stay healthy, so you know, for the Carter to come in and take over that spot, 575, pretty attainable. Even if he plays for 10 to 12 games, exactly. he can get that yeah, number, right. right? And you don't need him to play 15, 16, 17 games coming into the season, so um, you know, hopefully he's a stud that sticks out for you this season in that running back group. Uh, for me, I went with the new England running back, uh, Damian Harris. I took over 845 and a half rushing yards last season. Harris only played 10 games, but still ended up with, I think 691 rushing yards. I think it was close to 700 yards. He averaged five yards a carry. Traditionally, we see the Patriots with a running back by committee. I think Harris should be that featured back for the Patriots, right? Patriots face only one rush defense that ranks inside the top 10, which is the Buccaneers in week four. Other than that, they have eight games against opponents who rank 20th or worse in projected rush defenses. And then you look at the quarterback situation, right? As long as Cam Cam is there, he can't really throw the ball down the field. And you have a top five offensive line. So I feel like Belichick will try to shorten the game by running the ball and when you and when and if they do go to Mac Jones, they are going to be you know extra cautious with him. I think it'll probably be off of the play action where they have Mac Jones to pick his spots to throw the ball. But I think this is a season where Harris takes on more to the future role in the Patriots' offense as they're at least a running back. And I really like this over at eight hundred forty-five and a half rushing yards for uh, Damian Harris. 
Yeah, he could easily be a candidate for a thousand yards, assuming he could, you know, really take the reins as the RB one there. You know, I think there's still going to be some sprinkle of Sony Michelle, but I think he's probably on the outside looking in. And then we have Riamandre Stevenson, who had the explosive first game in the preseason, but it's the preseason. And, you know, I think that they really, they spent that capital on Damian Harris and he showed last year that he's capable of it. And especially even if you have Cam Newton there, running backs thrive with Cam Newton, you know, look at Jonathan Stewart in the past and, and, uh, and, uh, What's his name? Williams. Dutch. Tip of the tongue, man. I can't even think of it right now. D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, running backs can definitely thrive under Cam. And and even if Mac Jones gets in sooner rather than later, that's only going to be more of security for him as he gets more acclimated to the offense and NFL style of play. They're going to be handing the ball off. So I think it's a win-win here for Damian Williams. And again, that under a, a G, that, that's, that's great value. Yeah, 100%. Uh, take me to your last one for this division, man. Yeah, my last one for this division, Gabe Davis. And I'm really banking on the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is old as hell and mm-hmm. Cole Beasley isn't really a, a touchdown threat. Really, no one is a touchdown threat other than Stephon Diggs. And I think we'll see some positive TD regression for Stephon Diggs. I mean, uh, he had on under d- double-digit touchdowns last year. But Gabe Davis, man, seven touchdowns. In only 62 receptions, and only 35 receptions, excuse me, only 62 targets. I yeah. think we're going to see this guy really emerge as the red the red zone threat for the Buffalo Bills, much like he was last season. And you know, sitting at five and a half touchdowns, I think the 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 golden number here is six. He may not replicate what he did last year, but yeah. six touchdowns is certainly in the in the cards and. You know, at plus value, I'm getting this at plus 120. Uh, this is a flyer that I'm really, I'm really banking on, and really because I think that this guy's going to take a huge step forward in year two, given that he has the best size out of all of the receivers on the Bills. But mm-hmm. then we'll also see someone emerge as that that one B to to Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Defenses already know who Diggs is, and he right. still can't be stopped. However, there's still going to be a lot of opportunities in the red zone where Josh Allen's going to need to find that back end, that back of the end zone, you know, fade or whether it be a, a crossing route. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Gabe Davis to, to get in the end zone six times over the course of this season, being that he's proven it in his rookie season that he already has a rapport with him around the, around the, uh, the goal line. So yeah, I'm expecting yeah. big numbers out of this guy in year two. man. I think you really find value in those guys that are kind of second or third options in offenses where you have a top five wide receiver like Diggs, right? And like you just mentioned with Davis is that he should have the opportunities to see those red zone targets or who even knows that he's able to get a pass and and, and just, you know, sprint to the end zone. You don't, this offense is going to be really good for the Bills, I think. We talked about it with them getting their offensive coordinator still there and then with Josh Allen. So um, I like that one, man. And this, it's, it's really, it, there's like, I think we talked about this last week. It's just really valued finding those guys that are secondary guys and their numbers are typically lower than the, obviously their superstar of that team. So I really like that one. Uh, yeah, just, me, want, just want to go yeah, back real, yeah. real quick, yeah. but uh, we saw him come on a lot at the end of the season. Like, so he played, 73% of the snaps um, as a result after John Brown went down and played 88% of the snaps 
um, the final six weeks of the season. And yeah. it's just a crazy stat to just show how utilized he was in the red zone. He had more end zone targets than Devontae Adams um, wow. at 12. So kind of crazy here, man. I think that this guy in such an explosive offense, you're, you're getting really good value there at six. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great stat there. I love that. You know me. I love my stats. Uh, for me, the last one in this division, the guy that we had talked about earlier, Wolf Fuller, under 875 and a half uh, receiving yards. But, you know, so I'm familiar with Wolf Fuller because he was with the Texans. This is a guy, like you said, Dan, just cannot stay healthy, man. This is his sixth year in the league, and out of 80 potential games, he's only played in 52 games. Over the last three seasons, he's only played in 29 games. He also has suspension for game one of this season uh, because of the PED uh, uh, issue that he had last season. So he's going to be out that week one. He's exceeded 876 yards once, which was last season, but the Texans wide receiving group last season was abysmal. I mean, when you have Randall Cobb as part of your, your number two guy in the Texans, Will Filler was automatically number one. So let's add to the fact that there are a lot of mouths of feet in Miami, right? We talked about Jalen Waddle. They have Devontae Parker on the roster, and they have two stud tight ends with Mike Gusecki and Adam Shaheen. Along with the fact we talked about at links with Tua is that I need to see it before I believe that this guy can, you know, get 4,000 passing, passing yards like we talked about. Um Sorry, my power just flickered. So if you hear something in the background, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, yeah, but, but that's pretty much what it is for me, man. I just don't trust um, Wolf Fuller to stay healthy. A lot of mouths of feed with this offense. And I'm taking that under 875 and a half receiving yards. I love it, man. I'm not a fan of Wolf Fuller. I'm out on him. He's He's displayed a lot of great opportunities with Deshaun Watson, but Tua is not Deshaun Watson and much of his touchdowns were these broken plays or just Hail Mary bombs where yeah. he just beat the, the the secondary. And I don't know that Tua can make it there. I'm also not relying and trusting on Will Fuller to be available for the play to even happen. So this guy needed to cheat in order to stay healthy. He got <laughs> popped for it. He's already paying. He's already down a game. So you're getting value there. I love yeah. this under here. Yeah, man, and, and you know we'll we'll see, but I I went I went an extra unit on that one because I really love that uh, that under there. Last division for tonight. Let's kick it to the NFC West. Uh, Dan, who you got for your quarterback prop, man? My quarterback prop is the dude that I was kind of alluding to earlier in Kyler Murray. I think this kid is going to be sick with it, and his uh, rushing yard prop, man. I was able to get this at. Uh, let me just confirm here. 624 and a half yards. Man, I think that this is criminal. Like, absolutely <laughs> criminal. I don't know what Vegas is looking at unless they're banking on him to get hurt, which, I, I mean, outside of his, his legs, his legs are good. So, yeah. to me, this is extremely good value here, man. This guy had 544 yards rushing in his rookie season, and then he went off last year for 819. Third-year player, has even more weapons around him. Spread offense. This guy's got wheels. I think we're going to see Kyler run for potentially a thousand yards. So the fact that I'm getting this at six hundred and twenty-four, 
that just I, I don't I don't even get it. I don't even need that much of an explanation for it. Lock this in. Kyler Murray is going over his rushing total at six twenty four. You can't break old habits, right? And when you have quarterbacks that like to scramble, obviously when you're getting to the NFL level, you're you want to kind of go through your progressions. But when push comes to shove and you see that pocket collapsing, he's gonna to want to take off, right? Yeah. And, and we've seen that with Kyle Murray in his first two first two seasons here. So um, six twenty four is conservative, like you mentioned. I think he can get to a thousand, but I think that getting seven hundred, seven fifty, eight hundred is a real possibility for Kyler Murray. And um, especially with the defenses, like we talked about in this division, you know, if he's feeling that pressure, he's going to want to take off. So I really like that prop Uh, for me. I'm all in on Russell Wilson this season, man. Uh, I'm going over 4,250 and a half passing yards. Um, I'm holding a 16 to one ticket. Like I mentioned for his MVP on Russ. And we talked about new offensive coordinator reports are coming out that they are scheming up the offense uh, to let Russ cook, man. I think this is a season. Um, this is a year I think Russ gets 4,500 passing yards, 40 to 45 touchdowns. We talked about the weapons on the offense, right, with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You have Chris Carson, who's a great pass-catching uh, running back. They added Gerald Everett, like we talked about, from the Rams, and they still have Will Disley. And also the second-round pick draft pick that we didn't talk about was Dwayne uh, Eskridge out of Western Michigan. Um, I know he hasn't exceeded this number in his entire career, but I'm banking on the fact that you brought in a brand new offensive coordinator. Having that extra game will probably get him over the top of that number of 4,250 and a half. The last three weeks of this season is where I'm really looking for Wilson to close out a strong season. They play the 22nd, 28th, and 21st projected pass defense. The key for me is, is will he have success against the Rams this season because he hasn't really played against the Ram, well against the Rams, especially in the playoffs and in the um, – regular season. So I think the new offensive coordinator from the Rams passing game will be the best. We'll get the best out of Russell Wilson. So I'm taking the over 4,250 and a half passing yards for Russell Wilson this coming season. I have no disagreement, man. I think that they're going to be airing it out. I saw a prop for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to go for 2,200 receiving yards between the two. I think that wow. that one's a slam that over. Yeah. I think they're both they're both going to be flirting with that 1200 1300 range and I don't know man it's it's going to be a really good year for Russ and I think we haven't even seen the best of him yet so the fact that you got him at that 16 to 1 for MVP yeah. I think the fort the 4300 yards definitely correlates to that yeah for sure and that, that's one of the main reasons I also took it too um moving on let's go with your running back player prop for this division man who you got Dan cool. So I'm fading. Uh, I'm fading Raheem Mostert, and primarily because I think we saw in the the 49ers' success in the Shanahan offense is that he doesn't need a clear cut RB one. And mm-hmm. at 700 and a half yards, I think that they're saying that he's going to be the most successful back for the Niners this year. And I don't. I don't agree. And okay. primarily because. You know, Raheem Mostert, when he gets ahead of steam and he gets upfield, this man is gone. Yeah. He's shown the breakaway potential. The problem is he just can't stay healthy. And they he can't stay healthy enough that they went out and grabbed Wayne Gallman, who proved himself in, in that the absence of Saquon Barkley to be a decent running back. But then they also drafted Trey Sermon. Yep. And to me, I'm like, well, clearly you don't have any confidence in this guy. And while he might trot out there as the RB1 you know, 
penciled on paper. I think we're going to see a mixture of a whole bunch of guys. They also drafted Elijah Mitchell, who I wouldn't be surprised just given how the 49ers system works. These guys just emerge as valuable players throughout the course of the season. And I just can't, I think if, if Raheem Mostert is truly their RB one, they're going to want to have, make sure that he's available till week 18. And the yeah. only way that he's going to be able to do that is if he's not getting a full workload. So to me, 700 yards seems a bit high. I think he's probably going to be finishing more in the 650 to 680 range. Yeah. And that's primarily because health is going to be a factor. This guy can't be relied upon. He's going up, getting up there in age is almost 30. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it there. I agree with you, especially with the health thing, right? If you take a look at since 2017, 11 games, 29, 2018, nine games, one healthy season in 2019, 16 games, but only 772 rushing yards. And then last season with the injury, he only played eight games, 521 yards. So it's almost correlated. If this guy's, even if he stays healthy, I mean, he might, we're not sure that he's going to be able to surpass this number uh, uh, on the rushing yards. And again, like you mentioned, with the added depth of Trey Sermon and Wayne Gallman, it's going to be running back by committee with, with, um, with, with uh, Kyle Shanahan. And so, I agree with you. I, I like that under there. And again, this guy is not going to be able to stay healthy. That should be an easy cash for you. Uh, for me, for my um, running back prop, uh, I'm staying with Seattle. And I took Chris Carson under seven and a half rushing touchdowns. I know the Seahawks face one of the toughest projected rush defenses. Eight of their uh, opponents rank inside the top 10 in rushing defenses. And we know that things really tighten up in the red zone. So over the last three seasons, Carson exceeded seven and a half rushing touchdowns just once, which was in 2018 where he scored nine. But you also have Rashard Penny in this backfield. You have some other guys. They're going to be sharing their running back duty. So both of these guys are on the same weight class, right? I think uh, Carson is at uh, 222 and then Penny's at 220. So based off of the rush defenses that they face and what they decide to do in the red zone, I think they might want to be a little more pass heavy. I think this might be difficult for Chris Carson to get eight rushing touchdowns this season. So I took under seven and a half rushing touchdowns for Chris Carson. I was actually going to take, you know, I was really debating on, I don't know, this whole division I'm taking the unders on the running backs here. Yeah. And I was really debating on Chris Carson under a thousand rushing yards. Um, that was another I, one I was looking at. Yeah. Cause I got for much of what you said, I think, them going to more pass heavy plus his ability to stay healthy, which he hasn't, he got the bag this off season, but I think that they've also said that Rashad Penny looks good, even though he can never stay healthy. They yeah. have Travis Homer and a whole bunch of other people. I wouldn't be surprised given what their offensive coordinator experienced last year with taking a little bit of time to get Cam makers into that offense. They're running Daryl Henderson. They're running Malcolm Brown. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised if they're running a running back by committee approach with Carson still getting primarily most of the carries, but he's not yeah. going to get the workload that he got before. So right. I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, you took the touchdown angle. I was going to take the yards angle, but either way we came to the same conclusion that he's not yeah. going to be as good as he was in the past. Yeah, man. I, and I love it when we're on the same page. I feel like we like share a mind on our, on our props. So <laughs> I, I'm glad we're, we're on agreement there. Take yeah. me to your last one, man. Let's wrap it up strong. What do you got? Yeah, I got Cooper cup and we talked about whether, you know, you posed the question, is this offense that much better with Stafford versus Jared Goff? And I think the question is yes. They're the answer to the question is yes. Yep. You know, in two seasons, in the last two seasons with Jared Goff at the helm, Cooper Cup amassed 94 receptions in 2019, 92 in uh, last season. 
And so he just fell shy of a thousand yards last year, which is really why I wasn't going for the thousand yard mark. Um, but I mm-hmm. think we see with someone that that throws a lot to the volume of Matthew Stafford, he's always among the leagues, the the league leaders in attempts from a quarterback position. Right. With his accuracy and his frequency under Sean McVay, I think that this is going to be a slam dunk at 93 and a half. So 93 and a half receptions. I'm going the over on Cooper Cup. And it was really interesting to me because I was trying to debate between I was tinkering between him and Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I, I landed on on Cooper Cup mainly because in just even when he's hurt, you know, Cooper Cup missed two games two years ago and he missed three games, uh, four games last year. Yeah. And he still ended up with 94 and 92. Yeah. So even though Robert Woods is very reliable and he's always has that availability, I think we see that Cooper Cup is typically the target hog of this offense. And, you know, he saw 100, double, 120 targets last year, 134 the year before that. I think this guy's easily going to turn that into with a better quarterback upwards of 100 receptions this year. So really excited about Cooper Cup heading into this season. 93 and a half receptions taking the over. Cooper Cup is your third down guy, man. I mean, we saw it last season. I see over the past two seasons that if it's third down or red zone, they're looking for Cooper Cup. And I think the targets right there man, are are indicative of that, right? We talked about 134, 124 the past two years for, for Cooper Cup. So I think if you're looking at Robert Woods, I think for Robert Woods, it would have to be a on, on his receiving yards because he's a guy that has speed, right? Where Cooper Cup is a, like you mentioned, a target hog, that he's going to get those targets from Matthew Stafford as he did with Jared Goff for the last two seasons. So um, as long as he stays healthy or even if he plays 14, 15 games, they should go over that posted number of what would you say was 93 and a half? Correct. Yeah. So uh, I also love that one. Uh, My last one is also a wide receiver reception prop, and I'm going with Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers, 49ers over 67 and a half receptions. Last season in 10 games, Ayuk had 60 receptions. Yes, a lot of that was without Debo Samuel, who was injured, and George Kittle, but it was still in 10 games, right? I think Ayuk is going to be that number one receiver for the 49ers, and I think it will be a big year for him. This number is a little conservative for me, right? The targets are there for Ayuk. It's about him staying healthy. Not only do the 49ers have the easiest schedule, they also play well. Uh, they play, uh, sorry, past defenses that are well uh, below average. 49ers face 11 opponents who are projected to have past defenses ranked 20th or worse for the upcoming season, right? Five of which are in the bottom fourth of the league. So for Brandon Ayuk, I think that number one, staying healthy, but even if he plays 12, 13 games, it's time for him to take that next step to be the one number one wide receiver, right? Debo Samuel is that, that guy that, runs the jet sweeps that catches those wide receiver screens to, to get use utilize the speed. But I think for targets and as far as receptions, I think Brandon Ayuk is going to be that guy in this offense for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of upside with Brandon Ayuk here because, you know, we saw it last year without Kittle and Debo, he could demand the wide receiver one spot and, and, and yeah. own it. And I think that he's, he didn't lose it. And I, I think you, you point out a great, a great scheming um, potential idea here with, with like how they utilize Debo Samuel isn't the way that they utilize Brandon Ayuk. And right. Debo is that guy that can be utilized at the goal line. You know, you run jet sweeps, 
you know, even, you know, wishbone plays, that type of stuff. Like he's a, he's a do it all kind of guy. You can move around the slot. You can move on the outside. They're doing, they're scheming for Debo. Whereas Brandon Ayuk is going to be the only other person that's really going to be soaking up a ton of the targets like George Kittle. And I think the only, the only doubt that I have is like, what is Jimmy Garoppolo going to look like? But either way, you know, I think it's going to be a better outcome than what they were facing last year. And Brandon Ayuk certainly has the upside here to get 67 and a half to get 67, uh, 68, excuse me, yeah. receptions. He could be flirting with more in that 70 to 75 mm-hmm. range um, in a thousand yard season. I think that's certainly in the cards. Yeah, man. And like, and like I said, that they're playing the easiest schedule uh, this season by far. And I think he's a huge outlier in their the projected uh, pass defense that they're playing. I think that, you know, Brandon Ike is primed to have a big season uh, for the 49ers. So maybe another underrated guy for fantasy league for maybe, you know, at least adding to your depth, but uh, yeah, I'm expecting big things out of Brandon. Iuke. Dan, that brings us to the end of it, man. We've covered six out of the eight divisions. This one, we went a little longer than expected, but it's always fun talking about teams and obviously the NFL and player props and things like that. man. um, but we have one more episode left next week. We're going to be covering the AFC South and the NFC North. We have a special guest coming on. I do have some beef with this guest. We'll cover that next week. <laughs> but uh, Dan, any final thoughts, man, to let the people know where they can find you, man? Yeah, I think it's amazing that we were able to talk about the AFC East for so long. Um, <laughs> but the NFC West, it was warranted hundred percent. Cause yeah, that's going to be, sure. that's going to be a great, great football to watch. You can hit me up on Twitter at Dan Titus, uh, find me there producing pods on action network, but also still hanging out with my homie Munaf here for all things props and also check out the NBA feed. Cause we are still hammering out basketball content on there. Yeah. So also download the SGPN app for all things that are articles, bets podcasts all that that's that's the place to go so do that also hit the slack feed hit us up we're available we're around let's talk yeah man just so much going on with sgpn whereas we're gearing up for football but like uh sorry dan mentioned nba i think we're about 60 days away so we're going to be grinding out nba stuff um we'll be back on monday with the nba but so much going on you know check out rod's fantasy football if you're you know i think there's a lot of drafts coming up as we kind of get closer and closer to the end of preseason uh they have so much fantasy stuff going uh there but i'm excited for the nfl season thank you so much dan you guys can follow me on twitter at sports nerd 824 and we're gonna be back next week to wrap up these divisions AFC South, NFC North. And if you haven't, go back and listen to the first two episodes with the divisions that we covered. Great stuff from myself and Dan. And till next week, guys, good luck this weekend with your bets, your preseason betting, and let it ride.